It's time for the big show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Andy Gallo. And I'm Country Jim. And man, I tell you what, we got a lot of stuff lined up for. We got uh, Liz Talley going to be on our guest spot. Yes. And uh, we've got a, a trivia question that I dug up, and I'm going to lay it on Country Jim and see if he can uh, come up with the right answer. I love trivia. It's just trivia yeah. is what it is. Plus, we've got the Country Jim story uh, on this episode, too, which uh, you're talking about a storyteller. Country Jim can tell a story. Everybody, you, when you were in school, did you tell stories? You know, uh, I mean, grammar school, elementary, whatever. Maybe not. Uh, maybe not that early. <laughs> uh, I was known I mean, as he, uh, I he, was known as a jokester. I think I've told you before on here that when I graduated from high school, uh, the senior class, the uh, yearbook people, put a saying underneath your picture that they thought epitomized who you were. Mm-hmm. And underneath my picture, it said, trouble sits but lightly upon his shoulders. <laughs> and uh, What does that mean? <laughs> it means that I was a silly, goofy guy. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, can I go ahead and tell another story that just came to mind? You can do that. We'll just go ahead and do the Country Jim story of the, of, of, of the week there on this episode. Go all ahead. Right, well, this is not one at all. That, this is a true story, not one oh, I'm, well, that okay. I intended to tell. That'll work. You know, because of social media, and I, I get it that there's a lot that's um, not good mm-hmm. about social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, misinformation, hateful kind of spirits that uh, can really n- knock you down. But sometimes you can connect with people that were very important in your life. I was born and raised there in West Tennessee back in the 1940s and moved away from there when I was in the ninth grade. And so I was disconnected with those uh, childhood uh, fellow students of mine mm-hmm. from elementary school and middle school. And, but because of social media... I became friends with maybe seven or eight of the kids that I went to school with. Oh, wow. Um, And in fact, uh, I would tell about the Baptist church where my mother played piano. And the lady who is the music director now at that church, all these decades later... She Still there. I, we are friends on Facebook. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. It, it's really powerful. But we were going to go to Nashville one time. And so one of my uh, fellow students in elementary school lives in Memphis. And so she said, I wish you and your wife would just stop here on your way and spend the night. So we did. Wow. And uh, she told a story. And I, about me, and I do not remember this happening. Uh, evidently, it happened a number of times. But me knowing me, hmm. I absolutely believe that it's a true story. She said that, uh, that she absolutely, when in the cafeteria, we would have pork and beans or like collard I, greens I or like something. I like pork and beans. Pork and beans are good. I do. But she liked the beans. But that little, that you know, why would they call it pork and beans when very rarely would you piece. get a piece of pork? Right. And it was just a little chunk of fat meat. Right? It was fat. Yeah, it was a fat meat. Yeah. And yeah. she said that was totally <laughs> disgusting to her. And she said that when I would get, I would get a piece of that on my fork. 
Mm-hmm. And I would walk over to her table and get right in front of her and eat that piece of fat meat. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have no recollection of that. Yeah. That's but, something I think you would do. Oh, absolutely. Huh? I'm yeah. sure it was me. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But that I was going to tell. That's good. Uh, that's good. I was going to tell a couple of my little church stories about sure. the. Uh, heard once about the the preacher who was delivering his message and. He noticed these two men out there. They were friends, and they were sitting side by side. And it, it seems that one of those men had gone to sleep. Hmm. Uh, it was a matter of some irritation to the preacher. That happens quite often in churches think, around the country. I would think <laughs> that it could happen frequently. Yeah. So, But the preacher was a little irritated. So he said to the one that was still awake, right. he said, Will you wake him up? <laughs> And the guy said, well, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. <laughs> I think I knew where that was going. Yeah. I, I just knew where it was going. Well, we've got All some right. trivia. We've got some trivia, and I'm going to lay this on you and see if you, can, see if you can figure this one out. You know, Marty Robbins, he had the song El Paso. Well, in 1976, he had the song El Paso City, and he wrote that song as well. Now, he claimed he wrote the song in less than five minutes, and it also reached, of course, uh, top of the Billboard charts. a huge song, very big song, and a long song, too, over five uh, minutes long, which was really interesting back in the... Oh, and actually, it was four minutes and, and like 38 seconds. But the thing about that is, and this is kind of a side note about... has nothing to do with the trivia question, but radio stations back in those days, if it was over three minutes, typically they would not play the song. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It was a kiss of and death. That was, that was still going on in the 80s back when yeah. when, when i was uh, in radio uh, if it was over three minutes oh man i don't know you know and, we, and back of course back in the 80s there was a lot of songs that were over four minutes but anyway back to the trivia question so the question uh, would be uh what did he often give for the reason that he was able to write two very successful songs about the same event so easily and they are they're they, they're very linked uh, so what here, and it's a multiple choice. So this makes it e- easy for you here. Uh, one reincarnation, uh, extensive formal music training, his interest in the old West, or he was financially difficulty, uh, had financial difficulty and needed the money. Which one was it? Reincarnation. Uh-huh. Formal music training, uh, interested in the old West, or he was financially uh, had financial problems and needed the money. Which one? Well, I would uh, I would kick out first of all reincarnation. Mm. Uh, although with trivia, I know how that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be, but I would say that it's either um, his interest in the old west, but he was. Yeah, he had the Gunfighter Ballads, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. albums. Uh, needed the money. No, I would say it was his interest in the Old West. Financial difficulty, and he needed the money. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That I is. thought that was, I thought, I thought the Old West too. Yeah. Because when I was looking it up, it did not tell me the answer right away. So I thought that was kind of, kind of neat there. Just a little That's trivia for, for you to... Well, a little trivia about Liz Talley. Um, I left Kentucky. I lived back east. I lived in Florida, Mm -hmm. Tennessee, and Kentucky, and South Carolina. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I knew about Liz Talley and her music before I ever came to Texas. Wow. You, you had said that. That, that, that is very interesting. Yeah, uh, I, had a, yeah. I had a music friend, Dusty Owens, who uh, Dusty had been uh, in country music. His, that was his stage name. His real name was Kaharski. Um, That's an interesting. Yeah, he name. was from, from Michigan mm-hmm. originally. But he was on the, uh, the the country music show there in um, in in Wheeling, West Virginia, the Wheeling Jamboree, mm-hmm. and he was the headliner there. And he wrote a song called "Once More," that became a hit for Roy Acuff and for the Osborne Brothers. And he was really, really very successful. And then there was a fiddle player by the name of Buddy Spiker who had a come-to-Jesus kind of experience. And so he really influenced uh, Dusty Owens. Mm. And so Dusty Owens gave... he When I met him in the 50s, uh, late 50s, early 60s, he still had a 1956 Cadillac that was left over from the, the he back in the day he had he would get two brand new Cadillacs mm-hmm. one for him one for the band and uh, he and his wife sang duets together and he gave all of that up to go to Bible college so it was in Bible college where I met him because mm. I went to mm-hmm. I went to Bible college also son of a preacher man yeah and and so uh, he started way back when, uh, like an internet radio kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, mm. he f- he was the first one to tell me, and and I would hear the the music of Liz Talley. And we've got Liz Talley on the show. Yes, on our guest spot today, we've got Liz Talley. Liz, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. I am great. It's good to be here with you guys. You hey, I've got going to start off with a, with a question. How long have you been playing music? Wow, that's a that's a million dollar question. I, I, it scares me when I think about it. Maybe forty years, I guess thirty, forty years. Liz, uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood and your early musical experiences. Okay, well, I've always loved music, and I wanted to be a drummer. And one Christmas, I had asked for drums, but my mother bought me a guitar, and I was not a happy camper. So I improvised. I took a bar stool and her spatulas from the kitchen, and then I played along in my room with Ray Price and Johnny Bush records with those spatulas. So when she'd start cooking, she'd have to come in my room and take her spatulas back. And, you know, I wore out about two or three of those eight-track tapes from old Johnny Bush, let me tell you. Well, yeah, that's the best stuff ever. I learned how to play shuffles very young. And I used to babysit for a band. I babysat all their kids. There's about 10 of them things. And one night, their drummer broke his arm. And they had been kind of working with me on real drums. I didn't own any, but they had a set of drums. And she was teaching me guitar chords. And so they came to my parents and said, our drummer broke his arm, and we don't know anybody. They were from New York. Can we have your kid tonight? And so I went and played the gig. My mother babysat, and then from then on, I was their drummer 
filling in because their drummer was out. And when he got where his arm was better and wanted his job back, they said, sorry, we've already molded her into our drummer and we're keeping her. So that was how it got started. Liz, who were some of the people that you got to uh, drum with? Maybe some names we might know. Well, probably the uh, Wanda Jackson. I've worked with her several, several times. Pretty Miss Norma Jean, several times. Barbara Fairchild, several times. Um, got to open shows for uh, John Connolly, George Jones a couple times, Mel Tillis, Lacey J. Dalton. I've always had a great time doing it, and it meant so much to me. Where did you grow up at? Uh, over in the Sharpstown area. Of Houston, Texas. So yes. they, people may be. We've got listeners in India and the U.K., oh, so great. we need to let them know where we're at here. So. You know, a funny story that probably people don't know is I was a very big softball player, and I was a pitcher, fast pitch, and a second baseman, and we did tournaments. We went everywhere. But I also started playing drums in bands, and we'd play tournaments all day. I'd change clothes, kind of take a sponge bath in a Conoco station, and then go to gigs and play. And finally, my parents said, we can't do it anymore. you got to make a choice. Either you play music or you play softball. Well, I was making money playing music, and I liked it, so I went that route. Tell, Tell me a little bit about... You know, I've been around here a long time. I, did, I, I left Kentucky and came to Texas in 79, but I think I had heard about you uh, even before I came, I came to Texas from Dusty Owens, who was, a, who was a friend of mine. But, you know, there are a lot of guys who play country music around here and got bands, but I think it's maybe been more difficult for the gals to have a band, and I think you've done a really great job of getting connections, playing in, in clubs, playing private parties. But have you got any kind of feelings about um, women in music and it being a harder road? Well, it's very hard. I mean, even the days, the stories from Kitty Wells, Loretta Lynn, you know, all the girl singers that came back in the day, they're all inspirations to me especially Dolly Parton. If you think you can do it, do it. And it's very difficult, even still, for girls to get the bookings versus the guys. They always want guy songs, and so I always have to have a guy with me that can sing the songs, but also just kind of went the private party route. I got involved with a convention center and a lot of the booking agencies and they still call me today because I deliver, it's a business, and I can deliver what they want, you know. Even your daughter played a great job with me and had an agent call me and said, we need a band for a, uh, what's that thing, the horse, horse races the, at the, the, um, the, big, the big show that the horses do, the uh, Kentucky Derby. That's right, I couldn't think of it. And they said, can you do a Kentucky Derby party? And I said, well, golly, I don't know. I've never done it before. So I called Hillary and I called Brian and we dressed up in the hats and the clothes and we went and did, we learned the the music and we went and did a Kentucky Derby party. That's cool. That is great. What is your favorite girl song? 
you'd like to sing? Oh, man, that's tough. There's so many. You know, if Loretta Lynn stuff is great. I love Leona Williams. I love Dolly, Coat of Many Colors. It's hard to name a favorite. I, I'm a big Patty Loveless fan. I love stuff that's that's good. That's country music and that people can relate to. It hits an emotion. I like to watch, I'm a people watcher. And I watch the people and see the emotions that it triggers. And I, that tells me that's something good. You know, Liz, in fact, uh, we're here where you just finished a gig and uh, my grandson playing steel for you. But uh, one thing that I think you... Was that a plug? Was that a shameless plug? Or was that... <laughs> it was a wonderful but, and you know, you mentioned Roots Country, the old classic country singers. But I think one, one way you've been more successful than me and a lot of others is that you've put bands together where you could do some crossover material. You could do country rock. You could do, uh, you know, multidimensional, not, not just the old roots country. And so you've appealed to a broader base of fans, and that's got you more gigs, I think. You want to talk about that? Absolutely. You know, if we could do just straight country music all the time, I'd love it. And that's what I do when I do opera shows or concerts, opening acts, because that's what they book me for. But for the private party, the convention world, you've got to be more versatile. And so we, we do some classic rock that appeals to everyone. CCR, ZZ Top. I mean, you, you just got to, people recognize that. George Strait, Alan Jackson, you know, things that people recognize. Patty Loveless, Johnny Cash, that is an Americana act nowadays, you know? And everybody knows that, so I do Ring of Fire. You know, you play to the people. You don't play for you. You play to your fans or the, the people, the event. And that's what I try to do. You ever do any Johnny and June? We do. We do. We do Jackson. And sets the crowd on fire. They love it. They love it. Well, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a songwriter and I don't do any original material. I, both my daughters do. Uh, I think you're kind of like me as far as mainly doing cover songs, right? I do. Now, I wrote a song called Texas In Your Swing, and that's what put me on XM Radio. And my, I was looking for songs, and my good friend, Pretty Miss Norma Jean, she took me to Branson, and she says, well, we're going to go meet Leona. And I said, okay, great. And so, lo and behold, at the theater, there she was, Leona Williams, and she's talking to me about, well, do you write, you know, and this, that, and the other. And I said, well, a little bit, kind of start to, I've got a song idea, and So I sang her a little bit of what I had, and she says, you come over to my house tomorrow at 1 o'clock, and we're going to write that song. That's great. And that's what we did. And I drove around the block about 10 times, scared to death, because I thought, I can't go over there and write with Leona Williams. My gosh. Which I couldn't even hardly leave the house. And Norma Jean said, I'm going to kick you out of the house. I'm going to lock the door. You need to go over there with Leona. 
So we talked a while and we just hit it off and we wrote that song. And I ran into Bill Mack and I handed him that tape and he called me the next day and he said, well, I'm gonna play your song on Willie's place. You better be ready. I said, wait, wait, wait. I had to jump out of bed and get dressed, run to my car, turn the car on to listen to myself. You know, most people want to do that. And I just couldn't believe he did, he played it. So that really gave me a big jump start to doing shows, opening acts, traveling in Europe. I did several things in Europe, which is cool when people sing your songs back to you. Well, that was Liz Talley, our guest spot on the uh, podcast. And Ben, what, uh, she got a lot of very interesting stuff there, too. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, I will guess we'll see you down the road, man. It won't be long. We'll do another one. Thanks for listening to The Big Show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. This has been a Unicap Media presentation.